Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How are you doing today? My, thank you, five of you that clapped. Um, so I, I saw my, my, uh, my cousin, he posted one of the things he hates is when somebody opens, a conver- or opens anything with a good morning. Um, I take that back. Uh, um, hi, <clears throat> everyone. I hope you are having a great morning. Uh, and if you're not, that's okay, because I believe you are going to have a, a great morning. I believe that, that at the end of today's sermon, you will, at the end of today's message, that you will have some, some great things that can help you become, that, that can help you live a life that's not just surviving, but that is thriving. That's my, my goal, that's my hope, at the end of the sermon, that, that you aren't just surviving life, that you're not just getting through life, that you're not just like, okay, it's just another day, just going to get to the end of the week, but the end of the sermon, that you you can truly live and you can see what a thriving life looks like and how you can get there. Have you ever felt, though, in your life that you're just surviving one week after another? Anybody ever felt that way? And you're just living for the weekend. You're just wanting to get to the weekend. That, that's your goal. That's what you want. You're just like, life is just... It, it's just, a, 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 you're just trudging through life. As I was thinking about this, it's sort of like you're just walking through the mud. And in my mind, I, I, I was, I'm, a, I'm a kid of the 80s. Um, one of my favorite movies growing up was this movie called The Neverending Story. I, I was asking some of the people in my office, which most of them are younger than me. Um, all of them are except for Tony. Um, uh, he's the only one older than me. Um, but uh, I was asking, I go, hey, have you guys ever seen the movie Neverending Story? None of them have seen it, which I'm sure there's many of you who have never seen it either. And that's okay. But in the movie, there's this scene where Atreyu, who's the main antagonist in the story, and he is needing to go to this place where this wise turtle is, and he's got to go through these, this mud place called the Swamps of Sadness with his horse, Artax. And so he's just trudging, they're trudging through the mud, and the more the sadness grabs you, the harder it is to get through. Have you ever felt that way, where you're just trudging through life, and you feel like each step gets stickier and harder and more difficult to get? And I, and I feel like so many people in our times are living a life of surviving, but I believe and I know that God wants you to have a thriving life, that God wants you to live Live a thriving life, and I fully believe that you can have that starting today. I believe it, and I believe that some of you are, you have a thriving life, but you are judging a thriving life with what the world says might make a good life. I believe that maybe some of our priorities and our definitions need to be changed, redefined, re-looked at, so that we can see at the end of today one, that you have a thriving life, you didn't realize it. Or two, that you can and you will at the end of the sermon. Okay? That's my hope. That's where we're going. Because I believe that we are a church that is going to be a thriving church. That is going to have thriving people leaving legacies. I believe this. I believe it. And we're all going to run with it. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you have for each and every person in this room. God, you brought us in here for a reason. 
Lord, because some of us, we're just struggling through life. Some of us, it's our fault. It's our fault we're walking in the middle of those, that mud because we, we walked ourselves there. So, Lord, I pray that at the end of today, you'd set us free. And Lord, some of us, we're just going through life and maybe we don't know how to live a thriving life. Maybe we don't know what it looks like. We don't know how to define it. Lord, wherever we're at, God, I ask that you'd meet us here. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be the only church that's thriving. Lord, that we would be in a valley full of thriving people. Lord, I pray that you would bless churches all over. Pray for Desert Springs Bible Church. My friend Caleb, as he preaches today, Lord, speak through him. Heritage Church and Jason over there. Desert City Church, and Jared over there, Joshua over at um, Hope City, and God, I ask that you would speak to us at City View this morning, and Jesus, it's in your name, and it's in only in your name that anything is worthwhile. Amen. So, what does a thriving life look like? If we were to define it, if we were to look in the dictionary, or maybe the dictionary might say one thing, but, but if we were to look according to the, wor- the world and maybe urban dictionary and what they would decide, what they would define as thriving, I, I think it might look something like this. You, be, you have a thriving life when all of a sudden you have enough money. You have a thriving life when all of a sudden your status, you, you've risen up to status in some company or some place. You have a thriving life and all of a sudden you have enough followers on your social media and you're getting enough likes, retweets, or whatever you want. You're getting enough of those on your social media. and all, you, you, you realize that you have a thriving life and all of a sudden you are known. When somebody knows you, or maybe it's accomplishments, a thriving life is when all of a sudden you've accomplished, when somebody says, so what do you do? And you're like, well, my name is no longer Jeremiah. My name is Dr. Semler, if you could call me that, please. I want to tell you my accomplishments because here's what I've done. I've got an MD, DB, blah, 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 all of a sudden, you know, my accomplishments are longer than my name. And I've got a long name, Jeremiah Michael Semler. I mean, could my parents have given me longer names for each of them? When I had to write it in school, I was like, my hand would cramp. That's why I went to Jerry for one year. One year I went by Jerry, and I decided, no flipping way am I going by. And then some people still call me Jerry. Don't ever. I'm letting you in. I'm a very personal, real guy. Okay, I love, I love people. I really do. So I will let you in on my life a little bit. Don't take advantage of that. Okay, please. Can you make a promise right now? Nobody's going to call me Jerry. Nobody is going to call me Jerry. But maybe it's accomplishment, maybe it's possessions. Maybe when you finally get that that house, you finally get that that sand rail, you finally get that truck. That's that's an exception. When I finally get that truck, I know we'll have a thriving life. Everything other than that, you finally get all that stuff. Or maybe, you know, doesn't the world push marriage so hard? When you're married, that's when you really have life. When you finally are married, you are thriving and you have reached the pinnacle of everything this world has for you. No, no, maybe it's, it's kids. When you finally have kids, no, they don't. They take, 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 take it all away. That's what they do. But maybe, you know, once you have kids, you're like, okay, now I have kids and my life is going to be full. And you, your kids finally go to school and you get that first progress report. And they don't have outstandings. They have... C's and D's, which get degrees. 
And then you're in that first parent-teacher conference. Your kid is in sixth grade, and the teacher says, you know, your son is great. He doesn't ever shut up, and he did something inappropriate in class today, and he's in detention. Yeah, that's, that was me in sixth grade. But you see, in those moments, when you think, if I just have kids, and all of a sudden when my kids become successful in school, my son Ezra, we had some friends over yesterday, and they go, Ezra, how are you liking school? How are you doing? He goes, well, I got a B and I got a C. And they go, and you see, they were used to Bs and Cs were okay in their home. They go, is that okay? He goes, no, I want all As. He goes, I got outstandings in all my other things. They go, I never got an outstanding. I'm like, Ezra, I was lucky to get satisfactory. What the world? Yeah, you're doing satisfactory in PE. Come on, I know I did outstanding in PE. I'm a boy. That's what you do. You just goof off. PE is, I mean, I'm sure they're teaching you something, but it's like goof off time. But maybe, maybe it's, it's when you finally get that degree, you've made it through life, you, or you got that 401k. I don't know what it is for you, but the world has painted this idea of thriving. But what happens when those things fail? What happens when those things don't work? What happens when you buy everything, but everything breaks? What happens when your marriage falls apart? You're like, I thought this was supposed to be great, but it falls apart. What happens when your kids don't work? It falls apart. You see, us, this, this, what, what this is, what the world wants you to think is thriving is actually just a surviving life. Because you're looking for something to be your savior. You feel like everything in life is take, take, take. Anybody ever feel that way? Your kids, your work, your marriage, Mr. Bills, they're faithful, aren't they? Those bills, bills as people, but those bills that come in the mail, they're, you know, you miss one, they're faithful to call you. They take, take, take. You're always drained, just maintaining, happy according to circumstance. You have no hope. You're wandering in life with no aim. You see, when we judge and when we grade our thriving life according to the world says this is thriving, all it is is creating a surviving life for you. That's why you feel taken, take, take. That's why you feel drained. That's why all these things start defining your life. You go, that's me right there. Because the world wants you to think when you reach these things, you're thriving, but really all it's doing is sucking every bit of life out of you. But I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to leave like that today. I'm here to tell you today that God has a thriving life for you. I'm here to tell you today, I'm living that thriving life. It doesn't mean my life is perfect. It doesn't mean I love every moment of it. But I can see in my life that my life is thriving. As I share with you, this is where we are going as a church. I, my heart, the vision the Lord has given me for City View Church is I want to see City View become a thriving church. Where every individual is living a thriving life full of hope and purpose. Every marriage and every family so that each person will leave a legacy for the next generation. That's what I want to see. I want to see this. A thriving church with thriving lives leaving legacies. You see, if a thriving life is surrounded about being married, what happens when your marriage falls apart? You're not thriving anymore, but, but you see, I think you can 
have a thriving marriage when something else is at the center, or a thriving life when something else is at the center and at the core of it. You see, I, I see a thriving church. That's what I want to see here. Not a church that's just surviving week after week. Not a church where people just come, but a church that is thriving. With people inside living thriving lives. So at the end of our life, whether you are married, singled, widowed, whatever is going on, divorced, whatever, that you may leave a legacy. That you may leave a legacy. A legacy is not built up in how many grandkids you have. Because that, that's what's been told. That's what a thriving life is, is when all of a sudden, you know, I have, how many grandkids do you have? I, well, I have 12. And the next person says, well, that's cool. I have 14 great-grandkids, 20 grandkids, and they're still all having kids. So, But 12 is cute. Hope you leave a good legacy. How's your 401K? I don't want to leave my grandkids poor. All of a sudden, there's this pressure You see, that's not it. Leaving a legacy is, do they have this? This is a legacy. Every life with hope and purpose. This is a legacy. Every person living a thriving life. That's a legacy. When at the end of your day, the people around you go, I want to live a thriving life. When at the end of the day, the people you work with, the guys that you're, you're working on the truck with, they're going, why do you have hope? Did you not see the news? How do you have purpose in your life? I mean, you're just, I I, I thought, you know, three weeks ago, you were just a guy who worked on your truck, but something's changed. What's changing you? are like, man, I want to leave a legacy. I want people to look back at my life and see that I had hope and purpose in my life and that my life is thriving. You see, that's what I see. Every person in our valley living with hope and purpose. So how do we live a thriving life? How do we live it and what does it look like? That's where we're going now. First, we're going to define what it looks like. I talked about earlier, just a little bit ago, what the world says a thriving life looks like. But that's a lie. How many of you have ever tried to live that thriving life? Get all the stuff, have all the money. Maybe you know people that have everything, or at least the potential, and they're not happy. It's crazy to see the famous people, the people who have millions, take their own lives because they lost hope, isn't it? Because if you listen to everything around you, if you got that, you'd be happy. Mm -mm. Because it's a take, take, take kind of thing. So what does this life look like? Here's the first, number one, most important thing. Here's what Jesus says about a thriving life. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. It's the truth about a thief, isn't it? Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief truly wants to distract, destroy, and, and just devour you. A thief is, they don't think. The thief is just take, take, take. They want to steal from you. They want to destroy what you have. And they, wanna, they just want to take every bit of joy and happiness that is in your heart. That's what they want to do. They break in. They break and they take. They break and they take. They're not thinking, man, I, maybe I shouldn't take that. Back in 2001, 2000, something like that. Back when you had CDs. How many of you remember CDs? I had a CD collection that was pretty good. It's one of those folders. You remember the Flipbook CD collections where you just had this folder and you're like, man, what do I want to listen to today? Spotify, you're just like, pick this genre and it plays everything you want. 
I had a CD. You had to pick one thing at a time. And if you wanted a genre of a, a compilation, you had to make it yourself on a tape. Those are the days. That's commitment of music back then. But so I had the CD collection. It was probably sitting on the seat in my 1983 Toyota pickup truck. It was this white pickup truck. It was nothing fancy, but it was my truck. There's something about a truck, and I would love to have that, even that truck back. I was at Arrowhead Mall visiting my girlfriend, Laramie. At the time, she was my girlfriend. Now she's my wife of 20 years. Um, come out to my truck, and what is there? There's this note on my window from this thief that said, hey, you left your door unlocked. I saw all the CD collection you had on your seat, and I really wanted to borrow it for an extended period of time. So I took them. No, there was no note. It was a broken window, open glove box, stolen CDs. Now, what they don't know is I, wasn't in, I was only listening to Christian music at that time, so that guy probably got saved, you know. Cademan's call, all that kind of, now I don't listen to that stuff. No kidding, <laughs> totally kidding. But that really was it. They stole a whole bunch. But that's a thief. That's what the thief wants to do with your life. He wants to do with your life. So anything he can distract it with, that's what he's going to do. And so many times what he wants to distract the American church with is being complacent and being numb. That's what he wants to distract you with. He wants you to be, just live this dull life, not doing anything, not leaving legacies and not thriving. This is the opposite. Oh my gosh. Woo, that got my heart rate going. This is the opposite kind of life that, that, that your enemy wants. He wants to steal this from you. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to have a life, but not just a surviving life. I want you to have a thriving life, a life that is abundant. But the only way you can have a thriving life, here's the thing, here's the anchor, here's the, there's, there's no other option, like how many options do I have to have A, B, C? Here's the thing. The only way to have a thriving life is if Jesus is at the center of your life. If there's anything else at the center of your life, you will always be striving. You will try to find something else. If it's relationships, if it's sex, if it's, if it's money, if it's stuff, if anything, you're trying to fill that hole with your life with anything else, you will ruin everything else around you. The only way to have a thriving life is when Jesus is at the center of it. The only way to have a thriving life is when Jesus is in your life. So you can look right now going, is Jesus at all part of my life at all? If you're going, I want to have a thriving life. Jesus isn't there. What's going on? That's your first problem. You're filling your life with other stuff. And you may say, but I'm a Christian. That's great. I'm glad you can call yourself, I'm a Cardinals fan. That doesn't make me anything. It makes me a loser at the end of the day. I'm a Browns fan too. Go Browns. We're going to get into what hope is, and Browns bring false hope. So do the Cardinals, but it's okay. There's still hope. Yes, there's always hope, right? But you see, a thriving life is when Jesus is at the center. But what else does a thriving life look like? You see, Jesus is the core. Jesus is the one that holds it all together. If, if you're looking at your life, you're 75 years old going, I've never had a thriving life. I've done religion. It's never worked. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus. He died on the cross so that you can have not just life, 
but abundant life. And then here's what that life looks like. The world says here's a thriving life. It's money, it's relationships, it's stuff, it's a 401k, it's all of that. That's what the world says, and that all breaks, and that all runs out. Here's what Jesus says. Number one, John chapter 16, verse 22, it says, Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. How many of you want joy made full? I mean, I have happiness. There's happiness in life. But I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. Here's what Jesus also says about joy. These things, John chapter 15, verse 11, it's not going to be up there. If you have a Bible, underline it. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. Jesus is saying this as he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to die a terrible death on the cross. He says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Jesus had joy. It didn't mean he thought his life was amazing. It didn't mean he was happy in the moment. In this moment, as he's saying this, he's getting ready to cry in the garden and say, God, if you can, let this pass for me. God, I'd rather not die this death. That's what he says, okay? So joy doesn't mean you're like, yay, I get to die. Joy doesn't mean, yay, I'm sick in all of this. Yay, I lost everything. No, that's called your psycho. But joy is in that moment when Jesus says, I'm going to die on the cross, but I know what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for you. Because it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him, which is you, he endured the cross. He said, get out of my way, shame. So I can sit at the right hand of the throne of God so that all the people that call me, I can say, Come. You see, the first thing that defines a thriving life is joy in Jesus. It's joy in knowing that he's got your life. It's that joy that we can have. A thriving life has joy. Now, you got to remember, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness sort of comes and goes. Happiness, it's, it's, it's like that. It, it's, so I, I got, for Christmas this year, I got a new DeWalt drill set. You don't want to know why I got a new one? Because my last one, the battery stopped working. So the happiness of when I got my first DeWalt drill set, how many of you remember your first like cordless drill set and that was like brought joy to your heart? Because you're like, I never have to plug in a stinking thing again. That, that brings happiness, right? How many of you remember when your first battery died? And you said, what the, I'm going back to my plug-in one. Because you can't die. You don't die on me, plugs. See, I, I remember when the time it first died, it died a long time ago, and I've been using my plug-in Makita for a long time until my father-in-law buys me a whole new set of impact. Oh, let me tell you. That brought happiness to my heart. Hanging my garage racks, even though I might have not been happy some of the moments when I did it wrong, but hanging those racks, there's happiness there. But those new drills, but I know they won't bring me joy. Because they will die like everything else. Because joy is not found in just this temporary. You see, joy is something that's eternal. Our joy is not dependent upon our circumstance. Joy is the ability to, to be content, believing that God is working all things out for our good. 
True joy is steady and dependable. Jesus said, you can have my joy. The joy that's getting me through knowing I'm going to die, but this joy says, I know God's got a plan in the end. That's what joy does. Joy helps you look to the future. But that's not the only thing. John chapter 16, verse 3. That's not the only thing about what does a thriving life look like. It says, these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you are going to have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. The second thing about a thriving life, a thriving life has peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace that knows it's going to work out in some way tomorrow. That's peace. We live in a world right now, it's in turmoil, isn't it? And when we look going, is it going to get better? Are things going to work out? They're not. I'm just going to let you know I've read to the end of the book. This earth, it's not going to work out. It's going to get worse. I mean, there's, we thought like two weeks ago that was bad, and you thought maybe over the summer was bad. No, that, that's a cakewalk. People are going to start really killing each other, and people are like, you think fire? I mean, there's going to be fire coming down from heaven. There's going to be, it's going to be insane. You're like, Jeremiah, you're just doom and gloom. I'm just reading Revelation. I like to know the end, but here's what I know at the end. At the end, it's Jesus. That's what I know. That's why I say, if Jesus isn't your first, he won't be your last. But when Jesus is your first, he's going to be there and your last. So Jesus says, the world, there's going to be tribulation in the world. It's a promise. There's going to be hard times. That's a promise. And we may look going, this is hard. No, when I look at Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, this church that was living in these times that was terrible, that was hard. When I look at when, when Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome, when they were getting ready to go under crazy persecution under a guy named Nero who's going to light his gardens on fire with Christians, that was hard. We look going, we're in the end times. I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know, because I read so many other places in the Bible, it got hard. It's going to get harder. I'm just going to let you know that. But here's the thing. It's gonna, you're gonna, there's going to be a, a huge definition of, okay, who's living for the Lord, who's not? Who's got a thriving life and who doesn't? Your thriving life will become more attractive than you could ever imagine or think. So a thriving life has peace. It's a peace that knows there is someone who's holding your today and they're directing and guiding your tomorrow. That's the kind of peace that Jesus wants to give you. It's a peace that only comes from Jesus. So a thriving life, it, it, one, it has to be centered on Jesus. Two, a thriving life, evidence of a thriving life. There's going to be joy, there's going to be peace, and a thriving life has hope. Not a hope that is not sure, but a hope that believes. This is a hope that knows and trusts and believes in Jesus. It's a real hope. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of all hope fill you. It's not a hope like I hope this happens. It's not like my hope today like I hope the Browns beat the Chiefs. I hope that. But there's a reality. They're playing Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, And you got the Browns. They know how to lose. They're great at it. Like my cards, and some of you, you're not football fans, and I'm sorry. I don't know what kind of empty hopes you have, but I know for me, I can have that kind of empty hope of, I know my Browns are probably, but I can hope that they win. 
I can hope that. You may call me foolish in hoping that, but that's the hope of hoping in the world. But you see, that's not the kind of hope I have when it comes to hope in God. You see, this hope, having a thriving life, I know what my end looks like. I know what my future looks like. Now, it's not a future like, so Jamar, you know what you're going to have? I don't know if I'm going to have a million dollars next week. I, I, would, it would, I, I wouldn't turn it down. My son asked me the other day, hey, Daddy, if somebody gave us $2 million for our house, what would you do? I said, I would take it. But, Dad, you have to leave everything. I said, yes, I'd take it. But, Dad, what about my gaming computer? I said, I can buy you a better one with $2 million. I hope my son was prophesying yesterday while I was in the garage. I don't know. But if somebody drives up to my house and says, here's $2 million, I will say, Judah, this is the craziest prophecy you've ever done. Keep speaking truth, bud. Keep speaking truth. Because that's good hope, but that's not hope. You see, biblical hope is not a mere desire for something good to happen. It is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope has moral certainty in it. When the world says hope, when the word says hope in God, it doesn't mean cross your fingers. Oh God, I hope you're going to work things out on the 20th. Oh God, I hope that our president will do a great job. Oh God, I hope the Senate and all this. Oh God, I hope that I get that raise. Oh God, I hope. That's not this. That's not this kind of God. You see, as William Carey said, hope is expecting great things from God. You expect him to do great things. That's part of a thriving life. Now it's not like, oh, like I can get a truck. No, 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 it's not that. It's that future of knowing that there's going to be something better in the future. That's hope. You hope and you believe that God is in control. So a thriving life, number one, at the anchor and at the center of a thriving life is Jesus. And evidence of that thriving life is there's going to be joy There is going to be peace, there is going to be hope, and there's going to be purpose. Those are going to be the evidence. Those are going to be the factors that when somebody looks going, why are you thriving? They're going to see joy in your life. They're going to see peace in your life when it doesn't make sense. They're going to see you having a hope when it looks like the world is hopeless, and they're going to see that you have purpose. A thriving life has purpose. John chapter 15 verse 16 says this, you did not choose me but I chose you and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of me, of my father in my name, he may give to you. The message reads like this and I love how the message translation reads. You did not choose me. Remember that. Remember I chose you. And I put you in the world to bear fruit. Here's, here's a, a thing I want you to know. God puts you on earth for a time such as this. He did not put my grandma. My grandma was put on earth to live through World War II. To live through the times in Germany during Nazi Germany and all those things with Russia. She was put on earth at that time to raise her kids so that they might live to be and so that they might leave legacies. That's what her purpose was then. It wasn't today. My purpose is today that I would be a part of a church that's a thriving church, living thriving lives, leaving legacies. That's my purpose today. Your purpose. God has put you on earth for a purpose now that That's what he says right there. Do you see that? He says, you did not choose me. I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. God put you here today. Whether you're 75 or whether you're 7. 
He put you here today. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And that purpose is that you would bear fruit. Fruit that wouldn't spoil. As a fruit bears, whatever you ask of the Father in, in relation to me, he gives you. What does that mean, in relation to me? If you're like, God, I want them to die. God's like, no, what did I ask you to do? Verse 17, love one another. Relation means, is it something God would ask for? Jesus says he desires to give our life purpose. A life that produces fruit. A life that, is, that has evidence of growing. I had a tree in my backyard, a lime tree. It showed no evidence of fruit. Actually, what it did is it died. So I had to get rid of it. I had to get rid of that thing. Now, sometimes that's what you have to do is you've got to go and prune back and do all that to make it bear fruit. You see, the life that Jesus has for you is a life that is thriving. It's an abundant life. It's a life that has hope. It is a life that has joy. It is a life that has peace. And it is a life that has purpose. Can you imagine... If you lived that life every single day, if you allowed Jesus to flow through you and you bore fruit of hope, peace, joy, and purpose, can you imagine? Your friends would want that, wouldn't they? They would want that. If they're looking at your life going, dude, how do you have so much purpose in your life? How are you driven? We're just mechanics, we're just construction workers. I'm just an accountant. I'm just a school teacher. I'm just this. You're like, no, no, no. We're not that. We're legacy leavers. We're here for a purpose. I'm not here just to live. I'm here to thrive. And that's what I'm going to do. Imagine if you lived that life, everybody in your circle would want it. They would want what you have. When I paint this picture of a thriving life, how many of us want that life? Let's look at our own lives going, man, everything you said at first I've been trying to achieve and it has done nothing for me. But how many of you want joy? How many of you want hope? How many of you want peace? Who doesn't want purpose? So how do we get this? How do we have this kind of life? How do we get this kind of life? It's, it, Jesus talks about purpose. He says, for we are his, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, works which God prepared beforehand so, the, so that we would walk in them. The, the message reads like this, and I, I love how the, I just, for some reason I was into the message this week. It's another translation. It says, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. So I know sometimes I talk about my kids. But I love my boys. I love being a dad. And I know that doesn't apply to everybody. But when my boys join me in a project I'm doing, even though I know it, maybe it's not going to look as perfect as I want it, I love it. Whenever I taught in a Sunday school class and a kid wanted to help, I loved it. Ezra asked Laramie if he could help iron his shirt today. My first thought was, don't let him iron, iron something that doesn't matter. 
how much joy do you think it brings God when you join him? The creator of heaven and earth says, come, join me on this adventure. Join me on this adventure. Who doesn't want to go on an adventure? Who doesn't want to go on this adventure with Jesus? Because that's what Jesus is doing. He's inviting each and every one of us to go on this crazy adventure of life, to take mountains, to take hills, to take those things that we look going, that's impossible. And God says, there's nothing impossible for me. Let's live these thriving lives. And so he says, join me in this work, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. I love that work we had better be doing. So what does this life look like? How, how do we do it? What, what, are we, what is our next step? When Jesus says an abundant life, he, it's just really, it's more of a gardening kind, kind of term. I have a picture here. It's, on your left is a redone garden. On your right is what it looked like before. You see, when the person was standing there looking at the before picture, they were probably looking going, that's so much work to be done. But you see, what they knew and what they saw was what could be done. They saw a thriving life. How many of us, we look going, I'm here. I'm in the before. So what are the things that we need to do to have a thriving life? Well, we know what it looks like. We know the potential. So here's what we need to do. One one of the things that has to be done is you got to get rid of the rocks in that garden, don't you? So how many of us, maybe we need to look at our lives going, I've got some rocks in my life. I've got some weeds in my life that I need to get rid of. Now, some of these rocks, some of them are small rocks. Some of you have got boulders. You need to get rid of those. Now, we're going to start next week this sermon series on the Holy Spirit. The only way you can do this is not in your own power. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only possible way. So don't miss next week. But, but so maybe you need to get rid of some rocks. You need to get rid of some weeds in your yard. But you know what else you got to do? You got to till that ground, don't you? You got to take a pick to that ground. You got to start churning that ground up. You got to start getting rid of Because you can't just go and throw seeds on hard ground. It's, it's not going to work. Especially in Arizona, is it? Now, not only that. So say you've done all the work. You've gotten rid of the weeds. You got rid of the rocks. You tilled the ground. You planted the seed. What do you got to do next? What do you got to do? Tell me, what do you got to do? What do you got to do? What are you doing with your life? Are you watering your life? What are you filling your life with? What are you empowering your life with? Are you watering it with the, with the daily news? Because if that's what you're doing to fill your life, then let me tell you, you're going to dry out quick. If you're filling your life with social media feeds, you're going to dry out quick. If you're filling your life with relationships, you're going to dry out quick. If you're not watering your life with Jesus Christ and the Word of God, going to church, prayer, community, and groups, if you're not watering your life with that, then you will dry up and die. You know what drying up and die is like because you live in the valley. If I was in Tennessee, I'd be like, dry up and die. I'd be like, what's dry? I'd be like, you're dumb. No, I wouldn't say that. And then you got to keep it working, don't you? There's maintenance. There's maintenance that needs to be done. So look at your life and say, God, what's my next step? 
Maybe your next step today is taking a step of faith with Jesus. Maybe it's saying, Jesus, I need you at the center of my life. Jesus, I need you in my life. Maybe that's your next step, is getting Jesus at the center. Maybe it's maybe Jesus is more of your side hustle. He's your wife's thing, but I come before her. Maybe, maybe Jesus is like, that's what I did as a kid, and I'm just coming to church because that's what I do. But Jesus needs to be at the center, not your side. But maybe Jesus is at the center, and, and he's like, and it's, it's not that he's not at the center of your life, but you've got all these distractions. You've got rocks, you've got weeds, you've got tilling, you've got work to do. Maybe, maybe your next step is you've got to get baptized. Next Sunday, we've got baptism. Maybe your next step is taking that step of faith and getting baptized. It's one of the only commandments that Jesus gives us. Follow me, get baptized. Maybe that's your next step of faith. I don't know. I don't know what yours is. Only you do. Ask God. Say, God, what's my next step? What is in your life that may be preventing you from thriving? Because I know that Jesus desires you to have a thriving life so that you can leave a legacy. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are a good God who does good things. And Jesus, I ask that you would help each and every one of us to see what's preventing us from having a thriving life. If you are in here this morning and Jesus is not at the center of your life and you want to make him there because you want to have that thriving life, you want to have a life of joy, peace, hope, and purpose. Pray with me. Pray with me. If you want to join me on this adventure of following Jesus, because, I mean, it's, it's not just some, like, heart-fluttery thing. I mean, it's an adventure. You will do some of the craziest things. I ask that you join me. Pray with me. Say, Dear Jesus, Jesus, I need you to be at my center. I've made a ton of mistakes, and I know I'm not worthy, but Jesus, I ask that you'd forgive me. I know you can. And Jesus, I ask that you would help me now to live for you. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Jesus, thank you for filling my life. And Jesus, I ask that you would help me to live a thriving life today. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, I ask that you would help each and every one of us to keep you at the center so that we might live this thriving life that you have for us. And it's only in you, Jesus, that we can have this life. Fill us with your strength. Fill us with your power. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.